Well, it's good to be with you all this morning. John was going to be preaching, but John is down in Austin um, with the Calcotes, and uh, so we won't be um, using the text that maybe some of you studied so diligently, uh, knowing that we would be preaching on that text today. We won't be. Rather, we're going to look at um, a wrap-up, a little bit of a wrap-up of a familiar passage that we've just gone through, Ecclesiastes 12, and Matthew chapter 7, the last section of that where Jesus talks about building a house upon the rock. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be there in Ecclesiastes 12 and Matthew chapter 7. Let me just pray for help. Father, thank you for your help. Thank you that you are in our midst and that your desire is to make us more like Christ. You want us to live in a manner that's worthy of you, like Christ. And so we ask for that help by your Spirit as we study and think together this morning. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, Jesus has overcome. Therefore, we have hope. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. There's hope because Jesus has overcome Jubilee family. If we could take the time right now to listen to one another's stories just from this week, there would be stories that would make us guffaw with laughter over what has happened in our families. There would be stories that would, we'd be concerned about as we listen to one another and we'd say, let me, let me help, let me think with you on that. And then there would be stories that are tragic that we would, we would weep over and we would just silently gather around one another and pray. And I wish we had time to share in those things. We are living, as you've heard all through this morning, in a Genesis 3 world, but with hope because Jesus has overcome this Genesis 3 world. So I want us to think this morning about how we nurture and cause that hope to grow in our body so that we prepare for the brokenness that tomorrow will bring. Stephen Sandy Anderson walked out of a courtroom down in uh, Florida this week. The words that were spoken were grievous to them. The way that accusations were made were hard to understand. And then the outcome was outrageous as those with no hope filled their pockets with an abundance and left. And yet they saw in the midst of that God's care in small ways. Jason and Alan Calcote are walking through the darkest days of their lives right now as they grieve the death of Jax, their three-year-old boy. We live in a Genesis 3 world that is foggy. It's hard to make sense of. But we know that Jesus has overcome this Genesis 3 world, and therefore we have hope. Last week, Pastor Lewis brought us to an end of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. He brought us to, as the writer says, the end of the matter. The writer goes on to say, all has been heard. With all the brokenness around us, And the inability on our part to control or even discern through the fog and uncertainty, 
the writer in Ecclesiastes says that our calling is to fear God and obey His commandments. Trusting Him as judge to rule justly. Abraham said to the Lord, Will not the God of all the, all the earth do right? Will not the judge of all the earth judge justly? God will bring every deed, the good, the evil, the secret things we can't decipher. He'll bring them into the light of his good and authoritative wisdom. He must be trusted, Jubilee. Together, we must put our trust in him. To fear him is, as Lewis said this morning around communion, to run to him in acknowledgement that he is God and there is no other. It was this kind of confidence in God that caused Job to worship as the terrible news of all that was brought against him came into his ears. The text says, Job arose, he tore his robe in anguish, he shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. He submitted himself before God in humble obedience to the will of his Father. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This kind of response in this kind of crisis is an evidence of God's grace in a life. And I think we would all want to evidence this kind of response when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But apart from the grace of God, it will not happen. We can do nothing apart from His grace. And we will certainly not respond with such humble obedience apart from God at work in our lives. But let me ask you this question. Is that response of faith to things that are hard built upon something? Or does it just come about in the moment? I, I said that it's a gift of God. It's grace. Does it just come about? No. No, it is built upon a foundation. It's built upon the foundation of Christ. Upon the truth of who God is. And the purpose for which God has given you life in this Genesis 3 world. And that is that we might with Christ be overcomers. I want you to recall the words of the preacher there in chapter 12. In verse 1 where he begins. He says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come upon you before the years draw near of which you say I have no pleasure in them remember your creator this is a call jubilee it's a challenge to build upon the rock of truth remember your creator while it is still day night is coming when there will be no building when all we can do as pastor dave said is hold on Hold on to one another and grieve. It's a call not to become lazy, Jubilee. 
Pursue your God. It's a call not to drift down the current of worldliness, but to pursue, work hard, paddling upstream against the current of this world. Moms and dads, it's a call to train up your children in the way they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from their Creator. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. It's a call, young people. It's a call, singles, to give more time to the study of Jesus, to meditation, to discussion together about this Christ, to worship, the worship of the one who created us and rescued us and sustains every moment of your life. Jesus says, after he gives that whole Sermon on the Mount, everyone then who hears these words of mine, Matthew 7, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. All those words come right after Jesus has said, this is how you pursue godliness. This is how you pursue God, my Father. Why did the house remain? Why did it stand in the midst of all of that yuck? Because it was founded upon a rock. And that rock is Christ. Because those folks had taken time to sink pylons deep into the rock. Cables were strung all around the rock and fastened to the house. So that when the floods came, there was no moving of that house. Because it was founded in Christ. And some of you may say at this point, you might say, well, that's all been taken care of for me. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Yep, my house is founded on the rock. The writer of Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes says, fear God and keep His commandments. Fear God is entering into God, pursuing God, and keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. And Jesus says, everyone who hears these commandments of mine or these teachings of mine, and does them, will be like a wise man. Jubilee, a cavalier attitude, a cavalier attitude that allows you to spend more and more time in worldly pursuits is an attitude that understands very little of what it means to fear God and to keep His commandments. To fear God is not to run from Him, it is to run to Him. To fear God is to run to Him. It's to press into Him with fear and trembling because He is awesome. He is holy, holy, holy God. And we are puny, weak, no value in and of ourselves except what God gives to us. And so we press into the One who is awesome and holy. To fear God is to run into Him, to press into Him. It's not to be ashamed of Him but to know that in Him alone are the words of life. Go for life. Go for life. These are the words that create a pathway of righteousness on which we are called to walk. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Really? Really? Is that our light? Turn it on. Let it shine. Go hard. After 
our great God. It's to realize the treasure of knowing God to the extent that He's worth selling everything that you have, Jubilee. Being willing to put aside everything that the world and culture says is valuable if it gets in the way of your pursuit of Him. Are you eager, Jubilee, to remember your Creator? Are we eager in the days of our youth to go hard after Him in preparation of the storm, the crisis, the grave? And Ecclesiastes made very clear that they will come. Does your heart beat with desire to fear God and obey His commandments? Or are you swallowed up with pursuits of an American dream? Pursuits defined by, the, defined by the value that you receive from acceptance of friends or, or neighbors or co-workers. The heart of Jesus beat with a desire to fear God, His Father, and obey His commandments. Philippians 2 says, He emptied Himself and taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, Jesus humbled Himself by becoming obedient to his Father, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus was willing to give up his life in obedience to his Father because he trusted his Father's will for him to be lived out in this Genesis 3 world. As a man, being found in human form, talking about Jesus here, he threw himself into a discovery relationship with his father. So that when the storm of crisis arrived, he had no doubts that his father was in complete control and that his father was trustworthy. And that's where we need to be for one another. That's where we need to be for one another. Did he experience the brokenness? Yeah. Yeah. There were tears. There was pain. And in the moment of his greatest crisis, which is the greatest evidence of our Genesis 3 world, the brokenness there, Jesus feared God and obeyed his commandment. He entrusted himself to his Father. He believed in the authority of the judge. <laughs> and he rested in the goodness of God. Was it painful? Beyond our wildest imagination. Peter recalls for us that in that moment of deepest crisis, Jesus committed no sin, no deceit was uttered from his mouth, he did not revile when he was criticized and insulted, and he did not utter threats when he was physically abused. Rather, he blessed, he exhorted, he prayed for his enemies. How did he do that? How? Well, how do we get there, Lord? Well, Peter says he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus knew his Father intimately. And that relationship was the foundation of trust that allowed him to bear our sins in, on his body or in his body on the tree. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Jesus knew his Father was the greatest treasure and pursued that relationship with all his might. Are you eager to follow Jesus? He says, come, follow me, and I will lead you to Jesus, to the greatest treasure. 
in the body of Christ, among the followers of Jesus, there is no room for a cavalier attitude that allows you to spend more and more, that allows us to spend more and more of our time in worldly pursuits. Those who continue with that kind of attitude will fall away with their house when the storms of this Genesis 3 world break in upon them. Like many pastors and religious leaders in our country today, they'll be set adrift on the current of worldliness because they have forsaken the pursuit of drilling into the rock who is Christ. So Jesus reminded his disciples in John 16, you know this familiar passage, that in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Does that make the crisis easy? Does it take away the pain? <laughs> no, the grief continues to flow, doesn't it? The pain hurts. Do you remember the story of Joseph? Go back in, go back Old Testament early on. Do you remember the story of Joseph, Joseph before Pharaoh? Do you remember the interpretation of the dream that he gave to Pharaoh? He made a comment about the years of crisis that were coming. The years of famine. He said, there will come seven years of great plenty throughout the land of Egypt. But after them, there will arise seven years of famine. And all the plenty will be forgotten. The famine will consume the land and the plenty will be unknown in the land. When crisis comes, the pain is often so great that everything else dims in our hearts and in our thinking. The abundance, the light is dimmed. It's here that we need one another as a church to stand, to hold one another. We are so often the grace that God gives to the one in crisis. It's us. <laughs> it's us coming alongside, holding that hand as the current's trying to grab and, and, and take the person downstream. It's us holding on, holding on to the rock and holding on to that hand. It's the family of God. When crisis arrives, we hang on to one another. In his moment of deepest crisis, Jesus called Peter, James, and John. And he said, my soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. Remain here and watch with me. Oh, how we need to hang on to one another when crisis arrives. We need to learn to weep with one another and listen to the pain of one another. We learn, need to learn to sit quietly with those in need. To watch and to pray with one another. Jubilee, as followers of Jesus, we are not without hope. For every moment, every moment of your life right now, when there's a, an abundance, when there's light, every moment of living while it is still day is going to be and should be for us a time of throwing ourselves into deeper and deeper relationship with our God. 
We work out our salvation in the light. We study God's word together. We don't neglect coming together, MLGs, time to gather in people's homes. We study. We pray. We ask one another hard questions. We, we seek God together. We search one another's lives diligently to guard against any heart of unbelief. Don't, don't think that that smile upon my face says it's all okay. No. Within, there's pain, there's hurt. There's a place for asking and praying for one another. We search one another's lives diligently. We remember our God while there is still light. And God is exalted in our determination to know Him together. Call upon me, the Lord says in Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. When the famine comes, Jubilee, we gather, we pray, we listen, we call upon our God because we believe that Jesus has overcome. We believe that God has given us this ministry of being a family together. That we might not give up, but that we might overcome with Jesus. We hold one another's hands. We cling to the rock that is Jesus. So that when the storm subsides, when the waters retreat... What's left standing on that rock is the house that Jesus is building called Jubilee. It's still standing because Jesus has overcome and he's worked through us in the lives of one another. Calling out, calling out to the Lord. Jesus asked the question, when the Son of Man returns, when I show up, and he's walking in the door right now, when I show up, Will the Son of Man find faith on earth? He's just been talking about prayer. Will He find us seeking? Will He find us calling out to Him with a deep, uh, a ongoing confidence, a growing confidence in His rule and His reign in coming, even in this Genesis 3 world? Well, may God give us the courage to spur one another on in the faith to the end that None of us, none of us will fall prey to worldliness and neglect so great a salvation. Remember your Creator, Jubilee. In the days of your youth, before the evil days come, fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus said, and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall. It did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And oh, we want to celebrate that salvation, even that we've enjoyed in communion together. And with this celebration... We must commit ourselves afresh to an ever-increasing pursuit, not diminishing, an ever-increasing pursuit of our God together. May God help us to that end. Let's pray.
Father, you know our hearts, you know our weakness, and yet you've put us together here, weak, broken, hurting people. But you've united us together that we might, together, with one heart, with one mind, seek your face, know the power of your Spirit, and become more and more like Christ. Evidencing that trust in you, that that confidence in you, that looking to you that allows us to sit and weep with those who weep. Because we're not hopeless. But we know the pain is real. So Father, continue to work in us. Even now, as as we're going to spend time connecting with one another, would you speak to our hearts through one another? Challenge us to go deeper through the study of you the seeking of you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.